Um, but yeah, here's what we're talking about tonight. We're continuing talking about W friends. And, and tonight um, we're talking about, we're going to look kind of briefly about how the early Christians, um, how they were able to build and strengthen our, the friendships and relationships. And so make sure you're following along. Make sure you're taking notes. Um, because I want to tell you this, the better notes that you take now will make your fam times that much better here in a little bit when we have discussions. And so uh, if you're ready, everybody say, I'm ready. I'm ready. If you're not, say, hold up. Too late. All right, here's, let's do this. Everybody take a deep breath and breathe. All right, so here's the deal. Here's the reality. If you're in this room and you just took a deep breath, you are probably a person who really wants, who really desires, whether you'll say it or not, long-lasting, life-giving friendships. I think every single one of us want that in our lives. Like, like you're the, you want, like, you're Avengers, to be by your side, right? Or you want your, your Lord of the Rings to walk with you. Like, or you want your fast family to ride or die with you. Any Fast and Furious fans? How many movies have they actually made now? Like 30? It's ridiculous at this point. And, uh, and anyways, um, and so like, but for, for some reason, like friendships are like that. Like people, you, we want people who are there for you. You want people who are there for you, who support you, who back you up, who have your back, who watch each other's backs. And and a lot of times though, we look at um, friendships maybe from TV shows or from movies or from different kinds of things. And really it looks like it's more like fantasy than it is actual reality. And maybe it's like, it's these friendships are like just reserved for the big screen and never part of our everyday lives. So here's what we do. We end up settling for friendships that are a lot more draining and drama than they are fun and fulfilling. And why is this the case? It's because we've been fed an understanding that friendships um, and, and what it means to be friends are, are completely backwards and distorted. So which has led to kind of us being in the mess that we find ourselves in. So when I think back, uh, any middle schoolers in the room tonight? Yeah, when I think back to my middle school years, I was basically um, shorter already, if you can imagine, than I already am now, and probably about 40 pounds lighter. So, like, I was, like, nothing, like a speck of dust. And so, but, but like, here's the deal. So I moved around a lot when I was a kid, and, but I, I was a terrible friend, if I can be completely honest. I was a terrible friend. Like, I was very, very selfish in so many of my relationships. Like, I remember going to, into sixth grade. And in sixth grade, you know, you make that jump from elementary to, to middle school. And I was going into sixth grade. And I remember going into sixth grade and at the end of that summer, abandoning all of my friends. I walked into school like I didn't know nobody. And abandoning all my friends because I wanted to, to get in and to be friends with the popular kids. I was trying to change who I was. I had a friend, um, also I had a friend who um, during the summertime, I, we hung out a lot during the summer. And he was like this skater guy. He wore like the big baggy jeans and rode, uh, skateboarded around everywhere. Well, he tried to be anyways. Tried to be this skater guy. And then the moment like school started, next thing I know, I saw him in Wranglers and Cowboy Boots. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, you're not the same guy. And so it, it's amazing what we try to do to blend in with the crowd that we're trying to blend in with. And, and, and I, we want them to like us so much that we change everything about ourselves. And, and for me, it didn't take me very long to realize that I didn't actually like those people. 
And, and so I cut my losses and I moved on. And, and what I did is <clears throat> I actually kind of kept that pattern um, for most of my middle school and high school years, like to the point where eventually, like I had loads of like acquaintances, loads of people that I, I, like I went to a small school. I knew almost everyone in my whole school, but I wasn't really deep friends with very few, with very many which made it, it, it they're the hard parts of life, it made it really difficult because I didn't really feel like that there was anybody there who could, I could really be honest with about how, how miserable at times in my life that I really was. And I'd be willing to bet that maybe there are some of you in this room here tonight that maybe you're, some of you're, you're listening to this right now and you find yourself in a similar situation. Like you're desperate for, for real, for strong, for lasting friendships, but you don't know really how to make that happen. So that's why tonight, if we're taking notes, um, the main point of our message tonight is this, that our friendships have the power to make or break your future. Our friendships have the power to make or break your future. And um, the good news is this, is that 2,000 years ago, Jesus flipped the world upside down and he had introduced a new way to live and a new way to make friends. And what that did is that began to change the world. And so we're going to look tonight a little bit how, how, and examine kind of the early church and the first Christians and see what, was, what it was about them that made them so, such incredible friends and what it was about the way that they loved one another that, that allowed God to use them to change the world. And it's because, honestly, it's because of that group, well, Jesus, but Jesus and then that group of pre- people that our world has been changed now. And so we're going to be looking at Acts 2 if you brought your Bible. Hopefully you brought your Bible because you get points for bringing Bibles. And um, we're going to be looking at Acts 2. And so let me set this up a little bit. So in, in Acts 2, um, <clears throat> um, Acts two, we're going to look at verse 42. Um, but in, in this moment, the church went from 120 people, like huddled in one room together, probably a little, looked a little bit like this, maybe a few more people, huddled in one room together, kind of began something like this. Then it shifted to, to thousands of people gathering in the city of Jerusalem under the name of Jesus. So if you're new to this church thing, if you're here tonight and you're new to church or new to the Bible, here's what you need to know tonight and just a brief breakdown. Over 2,000 years ago, um, the God of the universe, the one and only true God of the universe, um, sent his son to, to the earth, to walk on the earth, to live as a person of Jesus. And he came announcing uh, forgiveness and he, he came and freeing people from sins and healing people and showing people how to live new, a new life. And he was available to anyone and everyone. <clears throat> and people who were living for themselves started following him. And so after, it was only three years of ministry that Jesus had on this earth. Three years of ministry affected the whole landscape of time. And, he, and after those three years, he was executed on a cross as an enemy of the state because the religious and political authorities saw him as a threat. <clears throat> they, thought he, he was, <clears throat> they thought he was the end of the problem. But this was just another part of God's plan. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> because they tried to kill him. They actually, they did kill him. They killed him, put him in a tomb. Three days later, he came back from the dead and, and proving to everyone that he is who he said he was. And he was doing a new thing 
here in this world. And I'm so thankful that he did that because that's changed my life. That's affected my life and many of you guys in this room. And, and the great thing, the beautiful thing is, is that he's still doing that today. He's still changing lives today. And so Jesus, uh, so what's going on is these 120 believers were in this room. They're praying, they're worshiping. And then um, in that moment, um, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit entered the room and what looked like tongues of fire settled on top of, of above people's heads. And in that moment, people began to speak in other tongues and other languages in that moment. And, and the Holy Spirit entered the room and it began to change people. And then shortly afterwards, um, all these people are beginning to, to speak other language and, and speak other tongues and all these things are going on. And then all, while this is happening, which by the way, you guys, have I told you I'm going to Israel in October next month. I'm going next month and I'm so hyped about it. And I'm going to get to go to the place where this happened. Like I could almost like I get goosebumps like thinking about it right now. I'm so hyped for this. I get to go next month. Um, anyways, besides the point, they were in this room. It's called the upper room and, and the Holy Spirit shows up and it's like tongues of fire sit on their heads and they begin to speak in other tongues and other languages and people outside the room begin to hear what was going on. It's like, what is happening with these people? This is crazy. People who shouldn't be speaking my language are now speaking my language. Speaking People who aren't speaking, um, they're, they're different dialects, different even full-on languages, now that they're speaking the language that they understand, and it's, it's freaking people out, and all of a sudden, people are like, oh, well, you know how people try to excuse things away? Now they're like, oh, these guys are drunk, you know, and these guys are like, it, it's, it's a mess, and these guys are, are, are out of their minds, and then um, a guy, he stands out there, and, and, and his name is Peter, and he steps out there, and he steps out to the crowd, and, and Peter was one of Jesus' best friends, and he steps out there and he begins to tell everyone about what God had done through Jesus. And then after, in that moment, after he finishes preaching, 3,000 people decide to follow Jesus and get baptized. Man, and the church from there just exploded and began to grow. And so after going on what would have, what would have, what was probably like the most like wildest emotional roller coasters of their lives, we're going to look at Acts 2, verse 42. So this is next. This is what's taking place next, 42 to 47. And we read about these things that make the early church stand out from the whole rest of the world. Um, so there's a ton packed into these verses, um, but we're going to draw out three specific things tonight, building on W, friends. So starting in verse 42, it says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And so what this was, they were listening to messages about God. And, and uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. So like fellowship, for us, that would look like fam times, that would look like pathfinders, that would look like uh, groups and games nights, that would look like times where we, we go out to eat at Culver's afterwards. Like moments where we have together building relationships. Like girl church coming up here in a few weeks. Ladies, you need to go to that. Is it next? No, two Sundays. October 1st, you need to be here for that. It's gonna be so good. Um, they had those times. And then continuing, uh, the, to the breaking of bread, eating together, Culver's. I'm ready to break over a, a sandwich tonight. Uh, uh, and then to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Like this wasn't like 
like people were, were filled with awe. And be, the, the apostles, um, they began to work miracles. The Bible calls it signs and wonders. And there were miracles and great, amazing things that were taking place. Like this wasn't like, like TV show, like Harry Potter type stuff or like card tricks. Like Trayson's really good at card, card tricks. That's not what this is. Um, but the apostles, by the power of the Holy Spirit, were healing people who were sick. They're healing people who were blind, disabled. And, and you, while you may not believe it, they did. And they were convinced that God was working in miraculous ways. Verse 44, all of the believers were, were together and had everything in common. 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And this is the early church. This is the beginning of the church. Like the early Christians were so committed to God and to, to each other that, that they were willing to sell whatever they had to provide for others in need. Man, shouldn't that be how the church should look today? Shouldn't we be there to support each other? Shouldn't we be there to lift up each other? Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Man, praise God. I love that the group of verses. I love what, what this story is telling right here. This is the very beginning of God's church. And this is how our church should look today. This is how God's people should look today. This is what W friends should look like today. A group of, of friends committed to following Jesus and changing the world together. This, this is what it looked like. This is what it first began like. Like these people, they were wildly different and, and radically committed to following Jesus and changing the world together. And guess what? God used them to do exactly that. They did that. And I believe what he did then, back here in Acts in the Bible times, through this, this group of 120 people, and then it went to thousands, I believe that God wants to do that again. And I believe that he wants to continue to do that in your life and in this group and in people around you and in the church and in the local church. He wants to do that. And I want to say this tonight, and maybe you, you haven't heard this tonight. This building that we meet in, is it's a great building. It's a great facility. Like, though, when we start jumping up here, I can still feel the floor start to shake. Like, that kind of creeps me out. But other than that, like, this is a great building, but this isn't the church. The church is you. The church is me. The church is people. A lot of times we get upset, you know, like maybe the church is, is, we look at it as a building, but the church is the people. It's God's people. It's us. And God uses his people to, to do that, to change the world. And, and he did that thousands of years ago, and I still believe that he wants to do that today through you. So we can learn from them about how to build strong friendships. So three things tonight. If you're taking notes, three things tonight. <clears throat> that we're gonna talk about. Uh, the first thing is this, make time together a priority. Make time together a priority. And so we're gonna work through each of these one at a time, starting with the first one. Um, see, because strong friendships don't just happen by accident. You don't just bump into being in somebody and be like, hey, we're best friends now. Like you, like, or like Maddie told us to, to smile or to tell someone we had a smile. Like, I really like that you said that. I, I wanna be friends, right? You know, like, that's not how it works. They don't just happen by accident. 
You've got to make spending time with the people you care about a priority. Back to our scripture, verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Could you put that scripture on the screen? And then verse 46, it says this, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I was just thinking about this today as I was kind of preparing to share this tonight. And I just got to thinking about this and and this person in this room. And I hope it's okay that I call him out. Um, But I think that Maddie gets this. And see, when we first met Maddie, when she first came to our church, to this group of people, Maddie was living in Lawrence, Kansas. And, um, and like, I don't know if you guys know this, but that's like at least a good hour drive from here, at least. And, and, but Maddie, she showed up, she came to our church, she needed, she was looking for and needed a Christian, a faith-filled community. And, and Maddie shared her testimony before, and I don't want to steal her thunder, but Maddie, she ha- has dealt with social anxiety and different things like that. So I'm sure she was super nervous to show up to a brand new place where she didn't really know anybody and, and hardly in, knew anyone, but she showed up anyways. And she knew that it, because she knew that it was important to be in a faith community. And it wasn't long until Maddie began to serve here at Emerge on a weekly basis. And, and even though um, anxiety, uh, she, she dealt with anxiety, like she began to, to speak on the mic, like what she does, like following worship and times like that. She went to camp with us twice, winter retreats with us, like several weeks ago, Maddie preached up here and it was fire. It was so good. And Maddie made a priority to be here because what Maddie found was a community. See, between here and Lawrence, Kansas, there are probably hundreds of other churches, right? There's hundreds of other, other, other faith communities where Maddie could have found herself and she could have devoted herself to, but she found this place because she found a faith community that she wanted to be a part of. Anybody thankful that Maddie's here? So, so let me ask this. How, how can you prioritize spending time with your friends? Uh, some, for some of you guys in this room, uh, it'll be making, making emerge, making Wednesday nights a priority so you can spend time in your fam time with, your, with a smaller group of people. Others, maybe what you're going to do tonight is you're going to put a reminder on your phone to reach out to someone who's not here who should be here. Or maybe someone that you're going to invite to your fam time group. Or maybe what you're going to do is you're going to make a plan to invite your fam time group over to your house and begin a Bible study. Or go to a coffee shop together and begin a Bible study together every single week. Make together a priority. The second thing, second thing is this. You have to sacrifice yourself to serve your friends. See, the reason that most of our friendships suck is because we're self-centered and not other fo- others focused. So kind of back to our scripture, verse 45, it says this, and, and remember, we're pulling all of this from the very first church. What, this is how, we're, we're, how we look at W friends. Verse 45, they sold property and possessions to anyone who had need. Um, see, love is this. Love is, is chasing to sacrifice yourself for the good of another person. Uh, 1 John 3.16 tells us this. This is how we know what love is. 
that Christ laid down his life for us. So we, in turn, ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in in that person? Dear, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and with truth. See, there, there's many people in this room who have, uh, I, can, I can tell personal stories. It's hard for me to tell other people's stories, but I can tell personal stories. And there's many people in this room who have made sacrifices to bless myself, to bless my family. There's times when, when we were down and people showed up with meals at our home and just was a blessing to us. Times when we were hurting and they comfort us with love and, and prayer. Uh, when my wife, when Kristen had cancer and she had to go through radiation, like she was like full on radioactive in, in living in our home. And when she was like radioactive living in our home, all the rest of us had to move out. And there, the Kellys took us in and we got to live in their basement for five days while Kristen was radioactive. And like, even though it was probably difficult for them because we eat a lot and, and I snore when I sleep, and sometimes my kids fart and stuff. But, um, but we had amazing people around us who sacrificed for their friends. See, we have friends who, we, I have friends, I, I, there's a guy in our church who, who will just show up when we have car problems and he'll fix my car and he'll pay for stuff for free because he loves us because we have, we have we've sacrificed for each other. And, and um, and, and people bless us. People bless each other in that, those kinds of ways. So let me ask you this tonight. Where can you sacrifice to serve your friends? Where can you sacrifice to serve your friends? Because we live in a pretty selfish world, if we're honest. We're pretty selfish people, if we're honest with ourselves. Maybe if there's something that your friend loves and, and wants you to do with them, and, and you would rather just not. Or maybe there's something that a friend needs that maybe you could bless them with. Is there anything that your friend does that just super annoys you? You know what I'm talking about. But maybe you just need to get over it because it's really not that big of a deal. The third thing is this, and this is, I think this is the most important thing. Keep Jesus at the center. Keep Jesus at the center. See, it's verse 44. It says this, all of the believers were together and had everything in common. Um, to, to be clear, all the people um, who, who began the first church didn't have everything in common. They weren't from the same races. They weren't from, from the same groups of people. They weren't all the same. They didn't all look the same. They, they had different thoughts, different things going on, different classes of people. And, and um, they were not all the same. They were all very different when it came to the, but when it came to the most important things in life, um, those differences didn't divide them. And that's how the church should look because they kept Jesus at the center. And I want you to know tonight with Jesus at the center, our differences don't divide us. If Jesus is at the center of who we are and our our friendships, our differences don't divide us. What they actually do is they strengthen us. See, one of my friends, one of of my good friends, and some of you guys know who this guy is. uh, We've become good friends over time. His name's Brandon Cedarblom. And, and he's our, our district youth director, if you even know what any of that stuff is. Um, oh, he's, he's kind of basically like the youth pastor over the whole state. Um, he's actually been here a couple times. But when it comes to Brandon and I, like, honestly, we are complete opposites. 
we are opposites. Like Brandon is a gamer. He plays games online. Like I don't know the first thing about any of that kind of stuff. And I don't even actually even care to. Brandon likes anime. And like, I think that's the weirdest stuff. Like, just to be honest with you. Um, Brandon, he's actually way younger than me. And, and actually, there was one time he was mistaken as my son. And so, which is why I call him son and he calls me dad now. Um, but we're two people that couldn't be more different than each other. And even though Brandon, he's completely different, a different person than I am, we're connected through our faith in Jesus. And, and that connection has allowed or has made our differences um, it's actually made us stronger in our relationship and our friendship with each other. And some of you guys in this room, the reason that why your friendships aren't growing is because you're more focused on the things that make you different than the one who unites you. And if you just committed to serving Jesus faithfully together, you would see that your friendships, you would see your friendships develop in ways that you never imagined. You would see differences shift from being um, like a sore spot to like a source of so much joy in your life because those differences actually make you both better. So here are two simple things that you can do to apply this message tonight to building W friends. Um, First thing is this. You can make it a goal to be at Emerge every week this fall. I want to challenge you this fall. Make it a goal to be here every week and don't come along. Bring someone with you. Make it a goal to be here because we, like what we've been talking about, we believe that God, uh, show, I mean, he can show up in your life anywhere. It just, it's not about this room. But when God's people are together, something powerful takes place. Some great, something great play, takes place. Second thing is this, create a plan to spend intentional and regular time with your fam time group. See, one of, we believe that one of the greatest things that takes place in the church and through God's people is relationships and friendships. And through those, that helps the church grow. That helps God's people grow. And so maybe maybe begin a Bible study. Go to a coffee shop. Go, go wherever you need to go. Have it at your house. Bring some friends over, whatever you need to do. Maybe it's a Bible study. And the last thing is this. Um, your friendships have the power to make or break your future. See, God's primary strategy to change the world is the church. Like, it's you. It's me. Like, we are plan A. There is no plan B. And it's a group of friends following Jesus together. And this is why why Jesus lived. This is why he died. This is what he rose again to build. Um, And he wants you to play your part in his plans to change the world. He wants um, to do, once again, what he's done before. And I'm going to end with this scripture here. Um, Verse 47. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's powerful. That's amazing. That God's people, God's people together were so united, were so powerful, that the whole rest of the world saw it. And daily, people were getting saved. Daily, people were finding Jesus. That's powerful.